It's always a pleasure to uh, be here. The hardest thing about coming here is uh, finding uh, things to share with you. Um, as the older I get, there are less highlights, less exciting things occur. And I feel like I would disappoint you, and I don't want to disappoint you. So I have to make up some things. Uh, <laughs> some things that uh, are different about me is this year, is the 2011, my hair is as short as it's ever been since I was a kid. And uh, my hair is getting thin, and uh, I decided I would not do the comb over. And so uh, it's just getting short, and it's just like I wake up and I do this, and it's like, oh, wow, you know, it's like, you know, uh, it's, just, it's different, yeah, different. I changed this about maybe uh, three months ago, you know, I still get used to it in the mirror. Uh, a second thing that's big noticeable, this is big, this is huge, is that after about 12, 15 years of being a faithful Costco optical buyer, I decided to get frames outside of Costco. Uh, and I love Costco, I love Costco. I love getting my glasses there, but it was time for new things. And uh, so I went online and, uh, and, and I got these glasses. And these glasses, I decided I would get glasses that when I was young, my uncles would wear them and I would swear I would never get glasses like this. <laughs> and lo and behold, the Lord has, uh, you know, you, you, never wanna, you never wanna say that because then the curse falls back on you and you wear that which you cursed when you were uh, four, uh, 50 years ago. But uh, lo and behold, I couldn't shake the Costco habit and addiction. I got the frames online, but I got the lenses at Costco. Uh, but for a $15 fee, they'll, put, they'll give you the Costco price on it, just for you people shopping for uh, glasses. It's a nice way of doing it. Other exciting things that have occurred this year, uh, after living in the Bay Area for over 20 years, I finally did the Beta, the breaker, beta Breakers. And uh, it was really fun. Uh, uh, you know, Some of you might have seen the picture of me on the paper. I was the middle-aged Asian man, fully clothed, uh, running up Hayes, the, the Hayes Street Hill, okay, next to the naked guy, okay? Uh, but you might not have seen me. That it was really fun to do it, but it'll probably be the first and last time I do it, okay? Um, other things that have occurred, you know, I mean, I was here last year, and I shared about my autoimmune disorder. They've sort of diagnosed it not as rheumatoid arthritis because I don't have degenerative uh, joints but it's more lupus-like. It's not quite lupus, because I don't have all the markers, but it's lupus-like. And it's kind of interesting, because what I have, uh, it, it comes and goes in flares. It's a type of autoimmune that you have to watch what you do, you watch what you eat. And sometimes it's really bad, like in uh, beginning of March, I had a flare-up, and I had pneumonia in both my lungs, and I was sent to the emergency room, that's not a really happy thing. And it took a long time to uh, get over it. It sounded like there was a little mouse in my lungs, like going, every time I breathe, you know, it's like a little, I had a musical instrument. Maybe I'll, I'll sign up for the, uh, the musicians here. I got, I play the mouse with my lung, with my, with my left lung. Um, but I try to get it under control. And one of the good things about this past year, after two years of, of having this disorder, there are weeks where I'm about 85% better. And it's really good. And, and what I've, done is I really kind of restrict some flare factors. So I try not to stay out of the sun. Uh, and when I'm in the sun, I usually wear a hat and uh, it's those cool fedoras, you know, that, that people wear. And, you know, I, when my daughter saw me with these new glasses and the fedora, she said, you're a hipster, you know. And I didn't know what she meant, but it was not a nice thing for an old man uh, to have your daughter say, you're a hipster. So I have these hats on, stay out of the sun. I also watch what I eat. 
So uh, I, 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 I found out I can't eat crab. I'll have a flare. I'll start heaving a crab. Uh, I can't eat scallops. And I found out I can't eat shrimp. I've also found out I can't eat MSG. And so I can't go to a Chinese restaurant uh, for the rest of my life because there's all this cross-contamination. You know, you know the, the, the basic one in the Chinese restaurant, you don't know what they're putting in the food. You know, they just eat it because it tastes good, you know? Uh, but, you know, I realize, you know, not that. And I, and I almost can't go to a Vietnamese restaurant, too, because the broth, sometimes you don't know, uh, even though I love the pho, you know? Uh, uh, and so I restrict what I eat. I also don't try to restrict from gluten. Okay, so I'm sort of gluten-free. And um, I also get, try to get at least nine hours of sleep. And I take supplements. I take uh, C, uh, B, and D. Plus, I'm highly allergic, so I'm taking antihistamines like 24 hours a day. I mean, I take it in the morning, I take them at night and things. And they get me down 20, 20 uh, to about 85% uh, better. I just kind of restrict. Uh, influences. If you, uh, I'm allergic to odors, so if you're wearing like, you know, uh, I don't know what, what they, I don't know what, what people wear, these uh, English leather, leather, high karate, I don't know what you're wearing these days, uh, but I might, I might get a flare, you know, and even if, you know, even if you, you know, you didn't take a shower, I might flare too, you know, I'm just very highly sensitive in my life, you know. Now, the strange thing is that sometimes you take all these precautions in life, and still you cannot figure out when a flare will come. And uh, unfortunately, yesterday, around noontime, a flare occurred. Now, I don't know what happened. A flare occurred. And there are certain signs when a flare, I get really tired. And I said to myself, this is the worst time to get a flare. I'm speaking at Cornerstone uh, this evening. And it's like, then it's like you get like, very little time to sleep, because I gotta drive home, and then come here for the nine o'clock service, and you just don't show up at nine o'clock. Gotta show up the, the mic test and all, you know. And so, you know, you spend time, and it's like, wow, is this the worst? And sometimes you wonder, man, Lord, it would have been better if you gave me the flare at Monday. <laughs> so I'm like really all juiced up, I could preach, and then, you know, as the, as the soldier for Jesus Christ, now I get, you know. But then Monday I get to recuperate, you know? Or a better story would have been get the flare on Wednesday. I get Thursday, Friday, recuperate. I come here, I tell you that God has all things under control. Lo and behold, I can do all things through Christ because he gave me good health. Even the various times when I get the flare is in the control of God. But Lord, don't give it to me on Friday. That, that's like, that, that's the worst timing of all. And so this sermon actually has something to do with that flare. Because I think most of us in life have life under control most of the time. And we do the things to be healthy. We do the things to manage our relationships. But I could tell you, in every one of our lives, there's a time in our lives when things are not under control. Why did it happen? Do I, have anything, do I plan it all? Do I have everything uh, all in order? And a lot of people don't understand that. And a lot of times we get worried and we get flustered when those things happen. Well, what I want to share with you today is a very wonderful passage in the book of Colossians, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this ancient old church. And it talks about not us, really. It talks about the greatness of Jesus Christ. There are a few marvelous chapters in the New Testament that speak of the greatness of Jesus Christ one being Ephesians chapter 1, 
the other being Colossians chapter 1. And so what I want to do is I want to read some portions, and then we will uh, stop, and I'll just share with you some of my thoughts. And here it goes, verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, I want to stop right there because this sermon is kind of, kind of built on two different sections. The first section is who Jesus Christ is, and the next section is what he has done for us. So I'm going to sort of jump around the text a little bit. And the first one is, is, is who Jesus Christ is. And the first point I want to give you is, again, I'll read this verse 15. He is the vision, uh, image of the invisible God. And then we'll go into verse 19, because I've got to tie in that thought. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Now, can't, I can't tell you how important this is. Oftentimes people that are you know, interested in spiritual things, they want to sort of try out Christianity, or even people who have been in Christianity for a while, they see Jesus as a, you know, a great spiritual leader, philosopher, telling us the way to God, perhaps dying on a cross so that we can get to God. Well, I'll tell you, that is true, but there is more to Jesus Christ than you can ever imagine. He is not only that, but according to this text, he is the image of the invisible God, and in him all the fullness of God dwells in him. Which means that prior to Jesus Christ, no one really had a good glimpse of what God was like. You know he was out there but you didn't know how to get there. You don't, really couldn't figure out his mind. You really couldn't figure out what he wanted you to do, but everyone had this inkling that there's something beyond. Well, in Jesus Christ, something has been brought into greater clarity and greatest clarity this world has ever known. For in Christ, we not only have a man who can show us the way to God, we have the very Son of God who reflects to us the very image or the character of God and in his life and a sacrifice, the plan of God for this world. Oftentimes, you know, I've been a Christian for almost five decades now. And I came to Christ when I was seven. And when you're seven, you don't know much. You don't know much at all, you know. I... I and one of the things I really didn't know much was about Christianity. And there came these times in my life when I was a Christian that I would go to church, but I would wonder, well, where is God? How do I know God better? And I would try to search out ways to find God. Maybe it's through prayer. Maybe it's through fasting. Maybe it's through doing. Lo and behold, now in my fifth decade, I realized that the knowledge of the Father and of God was right in front of my face all the time. It was in Jesus Christ. And if I just kind of read what he did and look at the life he lived and see how he, what he did for me, I would know the very character of God. I would see the sacrifice and grace of God. I would see the mercy of God overlaying the judgment of God. 
and I would see how marvelous and wonderful and how much he loved me. And it was always out there. But I didn't realize that. He's the very image of God and everything that God wanted you to know about himself is revealed in Jesus Christ. Not only is Jesus the image of the invisible God, but in verse 16, uh, or I would just say the end of 15 and into 16, 17, it reads like this, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, it's not only that Jesus Christ is the image of the Father and the image of God, and through Jesus, by what he said and what he did, what he does on the cross, you could see God clearly. But this is another revelation that the Apostle Paul gives us, that Jesus Christ is also the very creator of this world. And not only the creator of this world, but he says and writes, this magnificent line in verse 17, and in him all things hold together. It's not just he's creator and he sits back and, you know, it's like, okay, it's like a clock, you know, and they just kind of move and I just sit back and, you know, if, not, if something I don't like, I just nod my head and the angel takes care of that, you know, but usually, you know, just people just do what they do and life goes on. No, 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 no. It is not a distant God. It is a God in which who is active and interactive in this time and age, holding all things together, which includes the universe, the Milky Way, the Earth, the moon. But all things also includes me. He holds all things together. Now, you don't know how important this is. Because in my journey in understanding Christ and the greatness of Christ, I would, I would know a lot of facts of Christ, but it didn't come deeply into a matter of faith and conviction. It wasn't life-changing to me. I've got to tell you how important this idea of creator and sustainer is. You know, often in life, in, in Christians, we have different, like, phases, questions we have. And one of the questions that we often have in life is the relationship with what I do, with, uh, with what I get in life. And often, one of the phases we have as a spiritual person, religious person, you could be of any religion, and even Christians have this phase, is when something tragic happens, we are often feel guilty that perhaps we didn't do something right. So oftentimes, something bad happens, and people try to find religion. They go, they find it, they find an answer. They come to church, or they go to you know, a temple, or something like that, thinking that if I do what is right, then this, somehow this tragedy will be lifted off of me. It's very common. It's the fault. And, and you don't even feel bad thinking that way. I think it's a process in which God uh, helps us grow. And that's one of the, the steps that, that we have to come to. A corollary to that, corollary, I would say, is this. That after years of doing what is right, and you feeling that the blessing of God is on you, we get the flip side of this issue, and so after doing things right for years, and then something wrong happens, and then you ask God, it's like, yeah, I got it five years ago. You got my attention. Something terrible happened in my life, and I squared it up. 
but I've been squaring it up for a number of years. And I'm not saying I'm perfect, but you know, I'm 80% better. Okay, maybe 75, you know, but, but I'm squared. But why did this happen? It's not what do I need to do? The question now is I've done things right, where are you? Where's your love? Where are you? Maybe you're not the God that I thought you were. Because if you were the God, you would know that I was kind of like maybe 75% square, and it's, it's, it's terrible in life. See, all of us go through phases like that. And in my journey, I had a phase like that. And I was a Christian like that. Only to know and come to realization through the decades that God is not only the creator, Jesus is not only the creator, Jesus is also the sustainer and holds all things together, which means he holds Jeff Louis together. You see, I might question why I got a flare, lupus flare, on Saturday. But you know what? I don't question that anymore. As a matter of fact, I rejoice in that. Because God holds me together in Christ. You see, because I try to do what is right in life. I try to eat well. I get my rest. I stay out of the sun. I eat my chia seeds, okay? <laughs> I do everything right, okay? Now, the chia seeds, I'm not eating the vegetation. I put the seeds in water, just, just for you people to, to know, okay? And then I, I ingest it. But there's a part in life that I cannot be in control. And it's that part in life that is often as the question mark, I've done everything right, how come it's not in control? And then you realize, you know, Jeff, I hold all things together and I hold you together. Ultimately, you do what is right in life, but ultimately you have to understand that it is I who hold you together and hold you as you are, and maybe sometimes you do not understand why things happen at a certain time. You, Jeff, want your flare to occur on Monday or Wednesday, times that are convenient for you. Maybe I have a lesson greater than what is convenient for you, and that's a huge problem. I want God to do things at my convenience. Isn't that the truth? Amen. And if it's not convenient, there must be something wrong with God because it's my convenience. You know, when you read Colossians, you realize how great he is. And when you realize how great he is, you realize in the inconveniences and the tragedies that there is a greater wisdom of God going on in your life to which you'd say, oh, wow, this is too great, this is too great for me. At the end of the 10.30 service, a gentleman came to me and thanked me for the message. And uh, he doesn't come to this church. I asked him where he comes from. He said, Modesto. And he said, it is purposeful that I've come today uh, from Modesto because I've been dealing with Parkinson's disease for 11 years. And he said to me, I wouldn't give that up for anything. 
And I looked at him, and we knew what we were talking about. Because you get to know the power of Christ to hold you together when that 15% just gets out of control. And I look in that gentleman's eye, oh, it's like, it's incredible. That is truly allowing Christ to shine through you in the difficult times and moments of life when you cannot hold the things together. Jesus is not only the image of God, he is not only the creator and the sustainer or the holder of all things, but the Apostle Paul continues and says that he is the head of the body, the church. Now, this head thing is always kind of you know, confusing. Is it about leadership? You know, he tells us what to do. The head tells the body what to do, you know. No, yeah, it talks about something like that. But it also is about the connectivity that Jesus Christ has with us. I don't know about you. Maybe some of you exist. But I can't live without my head. Okay, maybe there's one of you guys, you know. You never know it's San Francisco, you know. This guy, I don't, I don't have a head and I survive. Okay, I don't, I don't want to get in a fight with you, okay. But, but, I, but I think for most of us, we, we need our heads. Now, I particularly don't like my head. Uh, I always joke around about that. I, I kind of realized that when I was looking for hats. And uh, when I look for hats, I finally realized that I wear large, extra large hat. This is a medium body, man. And I'm saying, oh, this is just crushing. I'm disproportionate. I got a big head, medium body. Someone, something went wrong. I should have a medium head, medium body, or large head, and I should be like six, seven or something, you know? It's like, you don't have the, no, 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 no. It's like, yeah, I know, this is really crushing. I'll get over it next year, and I'll have stories to share. <laughs> but I've come to like my head. I try to adorn my head with nice uh, glasses to make it look uh, better, get a nice haircut to make my head, and uh, my head, you know, I like my head. It's my thought. It's how you look. I cannot imagine myself looking in the mirror and not seeing this head. <laughs> Do you know that Christ is so attached to us? He is our head in a true spiritual way. And sometimes we think that he is so far off. There's a phase in my life where I think Christ is far off. And he says, you know what, Jeff? I've always been there. I'm your head. You seem so far off. No, I'm your head. So what are you talking about? You know, one of the things that really has helped me is the understanding of not just how to pray, but the true realization on top of how to pray and that I should need to pray is the fact that Jesus Christ prays for me more than I ever pray for myself. And according to the book of Hebrews, he is high priest and prays for us 24-7. And since he's in eternity, there is no time. So it's 24-7 is, is multiplied infinitely. And did you know the Holy Spirit, who's in all believers, prays for us in ways we don't even know? You know, you don't know how, when I realize that as a fact, I realize how close 
Christ is to me, and I realize how much he loved me and cared for me, and I realize, you know, here's the truth. He cares for us in a real way more than we care for ourselves. Let's say that. And it's like, wow. That's an amazing thing because he's not only the image of God, he's not only the creator and sustainer of all things, he's your head. And it's connected to the body of Christ, which is this church, and all the individuals within the body of Christ, which is us. He's not only the head, but he continues in the end of verse 18. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Now, the writer Paul is going through many different uh, descriptions of Jesus Christ, who he is, image of the Father, image of God, creator, sustainer of all things, the head. Now he goes for one of the greatest of all. He's the firstborn of the dead. He was resurrected from the grave eternally, and all of us who are believed in him will be taken with him because he's our head. You know what this passage is talking about? He's talking about our hope. We have a hope in life in Christ after this life. You know how wonderful that is? Because I gotta tell you a deep, dark secret that some of you are in denial about, okay? And here's a deep, dark secret that sometimes people pay me a lot of money to share this with them, but it's free. In 80 years, we'll all be dead. Okay, I hope that, you know, that doesn't floor you, okay? You, 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 you get over it. Some of you will die in your sleep. Some of you will die in an illness. Some of you will die with a disorder. I got lupus or something like lupus. But you know what? One of the greatest joys that I have in life is to realize that there is something beyond this life and that Jesus Christ, the firstborn of the dead, has guaranteed it. And so it's not that this life doesn't exist. This life surely exists. My children exist. My bank account exists. Though every year it's getting less and less, you know? <laughs> I do what is best in this life because it exists. But these things in this life do not exist eternally. You know, I have 50% of my retirement in... Um, uh, I guess I went a 403B for me, and it's in, uh, tied to the stock market. I have half of it out of the stock market, but I have half of it in, which is a half too much these days. And as you know, it has dropped, I don't know, 20%, 15, 20% in the last two, three weeks with no good sign in, in front of it. In real life, we suffer all the time make bad decisions, decisions we cannot see. But you know what? My life doesn't depend on that because Jesus is my sustainer. And even my, my, my disorder, that's not my life. It's, it's, I'll die of something else. It is the hope that I have in eternity, and it really changes how you view life. It totally changes the hope and the joy that you have life. 
It's not that you don't hurt in this life. It's that there's a greater joy and triumph that you find in Christ. Not only has Christ all these four things, but when you look in this text, you see three things that Christ has done for us. Verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, which is a citizen term. All the paperwork is done for our life that is to come in Christ. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And this is marvelous because this is marketplace terminology. And usually when you say, I'm going to redeem something, you redeem it for something valuable. If you buy something, it's going to be something good. You're not going to buy junk. That's the whole purpose of redemption. You get it for better or equal value. But the redemption in Colossians 1.14 is so extraordinary because we are redeemed, comma, the forgiveness of sins. Instead of Christ redeeming us for what is good, he has redeemed us for that which is bad. And it's like, whoa, this is way creepy here. You don't, you know, okay, I'm a big eBayer, okay? I'm a big eBayer. And every so often you get stiffed on eBay. And you go, you get really upset, you know? And you write them an email and they, you know, they say, sorry about that. Because you want to pay something and you want to get equal value for what you paid for. I got this one thing, it was like junk, it was throwaway stuff. And I said, you know, what did you, you know, he said, oh, my brother did, he refunded me all the money. You redeem for equal or better value. You don't redeem for a junk, but in Colossians 1.14, what Christ has done is, you know, I took away your junk. And in a sense, you are not worth anything. But in another sense, you were worth the life of the son of the living God. And I don't understand that. He takes away my junk and he bought it with the life of the son of the living God, which is of infinite value. It's one thing if God just forgives you and just says something. It's another thing if he gives his son up of infinite value and worth. And in one sense, you realize, oh boy, I guess I'm not that hot. In another sense, you realize how worthful you are because you were worth the son of the living God. You are never to be told by anyone that you are worthless. Not by your father, not by your mother, not by your brother. Because if you are a follower and a believer of the son of the living God, you were worth the life of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I can't tell you how good that makes me feel and good not in like a feel-good way because if you were raised in a in a in a culture where they tore you down all the time and you realize that Jesus Christ the king of kings the lord of lords the creator the sustainer of all things dies for you and makes the transaction. And it's not my best for your best. Let's make it fair. My best for your worst. No. No. 
somehow that, somehow that doesn't sound right at all. It doesn't sound right at all. But then you realize the immensity of the love of God and what Christ has done. And in verse 20, and it says, we end and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. That is a relationship term. So I'll tell you. Sometimes we as believers shine because we read the word of God and we make the right decisions in life. It's marvelous that we do that because all of us will grow in Christ. But I got to tell you, the real shining comes when I understand who Jesus Christ is. Because when I understand who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for me, I realize how magnificent it is. He is, and I realize my shining is not worth that much. One of the things that I'm probably open to do this next year is become a pastor again. I was one for 25 years, and I'm talking to some people about being a pastor somewhere it's in the South Bay. And we were talking, and they were really sort of taken back by sometimes the honesty that I can write. I, I wrote uh, an H page. They asked me to write, answer some questions, so I wrote eight pages. Because um, I talked about sometimes my depression. I wrote about how um, I sometimes have a physical limitation. And then it was a question about how I balance my family life. And I answered by saying, you know, when I was a pastor, I probably didn't do that well. And it's like they were taken aback because people, candidate for pastor, don't usually so, say those things because it doesn't make a good first impression. And I said, well, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. And he said, don't worry, we destroy all this stuff after the candidating, you know. And I said, it doesn't really matter to me whether everyone knows because it's not a matter of how great I am. You know, I could speak. I know I could speak, man. I got a brain, man. I might not like the external look of my head, but I actually like the brain, <laughs> the engine in the head, you know? Got to tell you that. You know, it's not all that bad. Um, and I said, if, if I had my dream church, I would have my pastoral staff and my leaders on our website, instead of all saying like what colleges or universities we went to and all the accomplishments we had, I said we, we, would, we would talk about that, but we'd also say a major flaw in our lives and a problem we had in our lives that we could not handle by ourselves, but Jesus Christ lifted us up, lifted us up. And I said, I believe that if we become so honest and we lift up Jesus Christ on high and really let him shine through all the problems and the, and the weaknesses of our lives, that I said, I believe that, that, that people would be drawn to that Christ because we'd be honest and we would uplift Christ. And, and when the interviewer said, you know what, I go to that church because at the end of the day, we can shine for what we do, but the end of the life the shining gets very dull so that people don't really want to hear of a five foot seven Asian man that doesn't shine much. It doesn't put the fear of anything in anyone, especially one with a head larger than his body. <laughs> they surely do not hear someone whose head is larger than the body, sometimes racked with lupus flares. How exciting that is. Who wants that type of God and follow that type of God? 
But I tell you, when you know who you are and you know the greatness of Jesus Christ, man, you sing because you realize that there's someone much greater in this world and the greatness you have found. And he has died for you. And he is your head. And he holds you together. And he has paid and taken your worst for his good, for his best. And then you realize you, in one sense, are happier and more radiant than you ever have ever been in your life. It is not because life is so wonderful and life does get better in Christ. I got to tell you that. But you realize that we have a hope and we have a future and we have a guarantee through Jesus Christ like you cannot imagine. That's a wonderful feeling. Because then you realize the real shining is Jesus Christ and what he has done for you and what he has guaranteed for you. I'm going to pray for you in a little while. After the prayer, we have the receiving of offering and then a final music set. Allow me to pray for you at this time. Our Heavenly Father, in all things, we look to you for our strength and our hope. What a wonderful Christ you are. Just wonderful. I cannot believe how majestic you are, and we often shortchange you. If there's anyone here today who grapples with any of the life's questions or turns in life, let them be uplifted by Colossians chapter 1 to allow you to shine in us the true joy, the true hope that is found in you and you alone. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ.